I have a friend who knows if I tell her, hi, I need you to tell me no. She just goes, yep, say no. And I go, oh, they said I have to say no. Sorry, I can't do that one. <laughs> I love that. My mom said I can't spend the night. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> to the Working Enneagram Podcast, where we talk about the Enneagram in the context of work. I'm your host, Kelsey Taylor, and today on the show, we are talking with Enneagram Type 2s, Ben Taylor and Sarah Wong. We're going to be talking about how the core fears and desires of the Type 2 plays out in a work setting. Our first guest is Ben Taylor, who is the Associate Director of Admissions at the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor. He also happens to be my husband. Welcome to the show, Ben. Hey, thanks for having me. Our second guest is Sarah Wong, who is a special education teacher for kinder and fifth grade at Pirtle Elementary. Thank you for joining, Sarah. I am super excited to have you. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited. Okay, so first question for you, Ben, and then I want to hear from you, Sarah. How long have you worked in your job and what do you like most about your role? So I have been in the admissions office at the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor for over seven years, and I've been in this role now for about, I guess, technically five total years. And really what I have come to find out about myself, what I love most about my job is the people that I get to work with. We work really hard, we play hard, and throughout all of it, we care for each other. I think you just gave the... Textbook type two answer and that. And I love every yeah. bit of it. What do you like about your work? The people. Absolutely. <laughs> it is 100% the people. I love that. Sarah, what about you? That is funny. Um, I have been a teacher for four years. One of the cool parts that I really like about my job, there's kind of two. One is really celebrating the big and the little accomplishments of my students and their families. Um, and then kind of to tie with that, the relationships that I've been able to build with my families and our staff members across our campus just over the years and getting to build those deep relationships with people. What is celebrating your kids and the families? What does that look like? Well, um, so since I'm a special ed teacher, um, it's a little bit different. We mm-hmm. make progress on a much smaller or a much like mm-hmm. slower pace level than most kids would make. Oftentimes, that's things that are that are overlooked. Just yesterday, I had a kid who was able to read 156 sight words, and he's in fourth grade, so like that's super behind as far as you would think, but he's learned 156 yeah. sight words. Like that's we amazing. have made it to this goal. Mm. That is amazing. How did they feel when they um, hit these milestones or these goals? Because oh, I feel like you make a big deal out of stuff yes. like that. Yeah. He was so excited. He um, literally said, Miss Sarah, can I take a copy of this home to show my mom? She will not believe that I know this many words. I have to show her the words that I know. Um, and we had like a big little party. It was so cute. Okay, Ben, question for you on work culture and, and the people. What is like the one word that you would use to describe the work culture in admissions it is super cheesy and I feel like right now in a lot of workplace dynamics there's a lot of pushback against this word because of uh, the word is family and it mean that in the most positive connotation ever I think now when people hear that they're inferring it that oh this workplace is going to ask more of me than mm-hmm. it needs to, that it's going to infringe on my life outside of work. Mm-hmm. And 
in some instances, that's valid. And family can kind of be a gross term to use for a workplace culture nowadays. That is not what I experience at all. It is truly people that care for each other, cheer each other on. We get together every Thursday and have um, breakfast before our team meetings. We celebrate everyone's birthday and the opportunity to care for people and be around people that appreciate that care and are also caring is it's just tremendous. I love that. And I think such a sweet spot for you and your gifts too. Yeah, it's lucked out. Where would you say that you have felt that family culture? That's a good question. There's a lot of different examples that I could think of. Um, I think oftentimes it's the culmination of the small moments that just build over time. Um, it's it's a department that typically deals with higher turnover. Hmm. And so uh, what I really care about and try to make happen is, okay, while they're here for a shorter amount of time, maybe not as long as I've been there, but when they're there for two to three years, how can we make people feel cared for? Coworkers, their employees and also our students that work in our office as well. And so I think a lot of the small moments, but for me, I think large moments are, you know, doing things for fellow team members when they're about to have a kid and everyone is excited to see the baby and you want to bring the baby up to the office and everyone stops what they're doing to coo over the baby or gets excited about someone that gets engaged or even, you know, students that, that get into our nursing program or, you know, finish through and make it through a difficult class that's been challenging for them. It's, I'd say it boils down to the celebrations, Hmm. celebrating people, not necessarily with what they accomplish related to their work, but who they are outside of work is really, really special. Okay. So y'all both have this celebratory nature. (laughs) Is that, do you think it's because you're type twos or is it just something that y'all have learned individually? Maybe a little bit of both. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say like, oh, type twos are the ones that celebrate people. But I think that it's that optimistic outlook on life kind of. Yeah. Um, That's very much a two thing. I feel Mm -hmm. to be very positive and upbeat and like really try to bring things to life. That's where I want to be like your biggest champion for anything, like not just for my kids, for my people in my life, for the people that I love, for the Mm -hmm. people that I don't really know, but they did something really cool. I'll tell you, you did it. Don't worry. (laughs) Absolutely. I think it is. We try to, as a type two, we want to be all-encompassing to the people around us. Meaning like, yes. if you're a coworker of mine, tell me about your personal life. Uh-huh. And how can I support and cheer you on? If you're a friend of mine and we're not coworkers, tell me what you're doing at work and tell me about how I can cheer you on or how I can support, support you. you while you're going mm-hmm. through a tough time. And so it's like, we want the whole picture. It's not just, oh, I work with you and outside of work where there's not much there and, and vice versa. It's we want mm-hmm. to know the whole person and therefore I think there is just naturally a cause for celebration in that. But I would agree with you. I don't know if there's naturally like a twos or celebrators, but it's more cheerleaders. I guess that's celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Super supportive in that Super way. Super supportive. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So how would you say then you know that you are – a type two beyond the shadow of a doubt. I am a type two because 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 my emotional well being depends on other people's emotional well being. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty good. And You're we right. <laughs> but but it is true to a certain extent, and I know that you've talked about Kelsey the shadow side of the enneagram before, and so I think what we were just discussing the support and the cheering on and knowing everyone that is a really positive 
attribute of the type two, but the more negative type two is we can put all of our emotional eggs essentially into someone else's basket. And if they're doing great, we're doing great. Mm. And if they're not doing great, we're not doing great. And if they don't need us, then what are we left with? Mm. And so I experienced that quite a bit and have to really check myself. But that is really how I have settled into knowing that I'm a type two is how I respond so strongly to other people. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's really just good. sitting over here nodding, going, yep, uh-huh. Yeah, you do. That's it. <laughs> what else would you add to that? I would say very much the same thing. Like, I have a desire constantly to be helpful, and I am not good at not being helpful or not being mm-hmm. needed. Mm-hmm. That is what I thrive on, and that is what I want out of life. Is like, I want you to be like, oh, Sarah was a great helper. Yep. And not... Because I want it selfishly, which sometimes I do, mm-hmm. but just sure. because I want to make your life easier. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of like that cheerleader thing too, is like, I want you to know that you were loved and appreciated and wanted and welcomed here and going to do the best thing that you could possibly ever do yep. because I know you can do it. And if you need help <laughs> along the way, I will be there and I will help you. Um, even Amen. if I don't have the capacity to do it, I will make sure I do it just <laughs> for you and also everyone else, but I won't tell everyone else too. Um, <laughs> I'm not a good no person um so I think that 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 has definitely been a thing for me is just like knowing that I'm helpful knowing that I'm loving and coming from the right motivations for that Mm -hmm. um that I've I've had to struggle through of like am I doing this for them or am I doing this for me yeah that's super insightful so how would you describe that core desire to be you've touched on I just I want to be helpful I love being needed. I love assisting and supporting and encouraging other people. How would you explain that to somebody who's not familiar with the Enneagram? Because I think anybody would listen to that and be like, oh yeah, I can totally be generous and I like to help people. Um, How is it just unique for a type two? I think in listening to your previous podcast with the type ones with Austin and Melinda, one of them said a line of, yeah, we... Everyone wishes they'd be a type two. It'd be great. We love them so much. (laughs) And uh, for as a type two, we would say, thank you. We appreciate and receive that love, but you might not feel it tomorrow. You might not even feel it in an hour from now. And so I need to be working and checking in with you or doing things to help you to keep that love and Mm. appreciation. It's just we can catch ourselves where it's it's never ending. Hmm. So what you're saying is the moment that we as twos receive this appreciation or acknowledgement of helpfulness is really good. You're happy. I'm happy. But in five minutes, you might change your mind and you might not be happy. And then I need to figure out how to, how to help you be happy again. Yeah, absolutely. It's exhausting. Yeah. And then on the same like token, like, you've now done one thing that I'm like, oh, they don't like me anymore. And you didn't even know that you did it. Yeah. Like you said something and passing or you didn't look at me. And I'm like, oh, see, they loved me like five minutes ago when I was helping them. Now I'm not helping them. I got to go help them. <laughs> yeah, like I got to go fix this. Like they didn't like it. I got to I gotta go find out what's wrong. They mm-hmm. left abruptly from this meeting to yeah. go do something very valid. That must mean they hate me. 
they had a, a different plan and they didn't like let me know that it was not because of me yep. <laughs> and I need to know yeah. that it was not because of me. Yeah. Things yeah. that we've addressed through eight years of marriage counseling. Yeah. <laughs> That we're still working on and deconstructing and all that. That I am so very privileged to get to address with you. (laughs) So what else would you add, Sarah, to this core desire to somebody who doesn't? Yeah, I would say a lot along the same line of like when I'm helping, that is my fuel. That is my passion. Like I know that when I'm helping someone, I'm loving people or when I'm surrounded by my people and able to do just little things for them. Like send a text after of like, hey, you were so vulnerable and I really appreciate that. Or, you know, just like little things that help make other people's day. So it's not always helping in like the physical sense Mm -hmm. of I am always doing something for someone. It is like my mind is always wrapped around how do I make this other person's life better or easier? Like how can I send an encouraging text? How can I do a simple act? How can I bring them a bag of Skittles tomorrow since that's their favorite candy? Or just something to put a smile on someone's face. It's kind of like that random acts of kindness is kind of what I live for um, just all the time. Um, but in return, I also want that back. Mm-hmm. But I don't express that because that's difficult to be like, hi, I need you to give me random acts of kindness often, like really often. Um, and so that's kind of where I see that that core desire of like being needed mm-hmm. flip. And like that's how I know that I – that I feel a little unlovable or unloved is because I have been loving and loving and loving and I'm slowly starting to build this resentment of, oh, well, I gave them that the other day or I sent that text and they just liked it or, you know, things, yes. things little things like that that are normal human reactions. But I feel like I should be loved the same way that they love me, mm-hmm. which doesn't always happen. Yeah. Ben, how do you see this core desire of wanting to be helpful and uh, being needed. How does that play out for you in a work setting? What does that look like? Yeah, I think as in my role, I uh, am the one that is able to often utilize our software and um, admissions processes. And so when I'm teaching someone something, I'm doing my best to present it in a way of how it is helpful for this person. Or making, going the extra mile to make sure they understand. And even directly asking the question, was this helpful to you? Mm -hmm. And so on the positive side, I'm making sure that that person is being helped. That there is clarity. That there is a solution to the problem that they had. And in the more, um, I guess... I don't want to say weaker moments, but where, where I'm also looking for it to be beneficial to me is, okay, how can I present this in a way where I'm going to be praised mm. and thanked and appreciated? Because like you said, Sarah, I am really seeking that mm-hmm. and I'm not going to directly ask for it because what if someone rejects that, which mm. is what we, what we fear and there's no coming back from that. You can't, you can't tell me otherwise. There's no coming back from that. Um, but I am presenting that information in a way to genuinely help the person, but also to find a way to receive some sort of appreciation, affirmation for the work that I have done. Mm, yeah, that's very honest. And I appreciate that. I hope none of my coworkers listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For you, Sarah, how would you say this core desire to be helpful? um, How does that show up as a special education teacher? Yeah, I think 
I think there's kind of two ways. One, I feel like I want what's best for my kids always. That mm-hmm. is my ultimate goal at job, like my job is just to make sure that my kids feel loved, feel welcomed, feel wanted, want to come to school every day, and that they're also learning. That definitely carries a lot of weight in and of itself. But working in a school, like you're a team, you're a family, you are what's going to make your school thrive or flop. Like you either have to be all in or you're not in all the way and it's felt. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that often can get placed on twos and other people as well of like always wanting to be the helper of, no, I'll do that. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I know it's okay, but I can, I can take on one more project or yeah, I can be on one more committee. We can make this happen. You need it by tomorrow. We can make that happen. Like it's going to, it's going to be okay. It's going to happen. Um, and so I think that that, that desire of always wanting to help comes out in that way. But then in the opposite, that like resentment and feeling of resentment comes out just as quickly Mm -hmm. with that because Teaching, unfortunately, is just a very thankless job. Like, kids don't know, especially little kids, don't know to be thankful um, for all the work that goes on behind the scenes that they don't even see. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, the world's kind of in this spot right now of, well, teachers don't do that much. Well, teachers do a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. teachers do hours and hours and hours of work outside of school um, just to make school like a production. Like, it it happens Mm -hmm. every day, day after day. But it doesn't happen by itself. We have to prep. We have to practice. It's hard to get the thank yous for school Mm -hmm. um, and for showing up to school. And so um, that's where you kind of see that resentment happen. And so one of the things that I've really done is surrounded myself by a group of people who love me and know me and want to encourage me in it. Both educator friends and non-educator friends who are just like, hey, like you're doing a really good job. We see that you're still here at six o'clock at night. Like, you're doing great things. Mm-hmm. I love every bit of that. First, um, for the people who think that teachers do not have anything to do or are not working hard, um, Sarah, where could they pick up an application? Yeah. <laughs> there is a sub shortage um, everywhere, so you just come one day and you'll see what happens at a school. <laughs> Second... I really love the concept of a two surrounding themselves with people Mm -hmm. who know them, who Mm -hmm. love them, who understand that sometimes twos sign up for too much and need help having boundaries. I have a friend who knows if I tell her, hi, I need you to tell me no. She just goes, yep, say no. And I go, oh, they said I have to say no. Sorry, I can't do that one. (laughs) I love that. My mom said I can't spend the night. (laughs) I'm sorry. Listen, if you have a two in your life, be that person for them. Be the no person for them. Please, we need it. (laughs) Desperately. But also let us say no to you too, please. And don't reject this. So speaking of rejection, I love that you bring this up. I think I want to hone in on this because I think it's important um, for listeners to understand the, the process that happens with twos. It's a gift to be able to understand and know what people need. It's like mm-hmm. the sixth sense that twos have. But if if you know what somebody needs and you don't meet that need, then there's this lie that you can tell yourself as a two of like, I'm selfish. I could have met that need. And if I know that it exists, it's therefore now my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be selfish because if people think that I'm selfish, they won't love me and they will reject me. There's this really hard tension that twos live in for that, knowing that there's a need 
and not really giving themselves permission to say, can I actually meet this or not? Um, you automatically think I must, I must, this Mm -hmm. is mine. At the core of that, there's that fear of rejection. Um, and I'm curious how that plays out in a work setting for both of you guys. First of all, thank you for saying, um, for narrowing it down to a work setting, because that probably trims this podcast down about (laughs) what what could be three or four hours. I appreciate narrowing it down a little bit. Um, as far as just a general one, um, I think I've got two. One is anytime I have to present information or make a decision or even pass along a decision that's been made, I am often consumed with worry about others having issue with me and the decision that has been made. Mm. And so I strip it down to a very personal level that, okay, because this decision's been made, someone may find it unfavorable and therefore I will fall out of favor with them. Mm-hmm. And so that is that is one of them. The other is, okay, if I don't say yes to this, is this it? So if I say no to this one thing because I truly can't handle it, will that be it? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I want to miss that shot. Is that worth it? And in the more unhealthy moments of being into the answer is no, it's not worth it, which is, which is really bad. But, <laughs> but Again, we're talking about the fear and mm-hmm. how it can play out. And so those are those are two examples for me. Mm-hmm. Do you have any examples in the past like month or two or three where you have said no to something and it actually worked out? And you're like, that was not nearly as bad as I thought it was. I made a New Year's resolution and there are still at this point of recording 11 more months in the year to get around to that. So my answer, unfortunately... <laughs> Is no. Um, I recently took something on that um, I probably shouldn't have, and it has been beneficial for me, which, which is very good. But um, it's constantly playing in the back of my mind, like, what have you said no to this? And um, hopefully next time I get it right. <laughs> Was your New Year's resolution to say no to stuff? Or just kindly say, perhaps someone else could do that. We've still got 11 more months to go, guys. Yeah, I believe in you. Have faith yeah. in you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Okay, Sarah, for you, how would you say um, this core fear of rejection shows up in a work setting? Do you have any examples? Yeah, so this year, um, I, at the middle of our first semester, had made a call that I thought was going to be a good one, was being helpful, um, and it turned out to be the wrong call. So I got called into this meeting and it really wasn't that bad of a meeting. It just was for me, this person who wanted to be helpful and thought I was making a right call felt like it was like rejection after rejection of like, oh, this person's mad at me and I'll never recover my image. Oh, this person is mad at me. And now everyone knows (laughs) like, oh no, when you tell me that, even though it's constructive criticism, it feels like you didn't do a good enough job. You Mm -hmm. are not enough and therefore you have screwed up. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's no coming back from that. No. Yeah. None at all. How would you prefer to receive constructive criticism as a two? Like, what's a very loving way? I felt very ambushed. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the situation had already been dealt with before I was even informed of the situation. 
I felt like people were talking for me instead of to me. I want you to come to me one-on-one. Like, I don't need it to be a big group. I don't need it to be in front of other people because that's not helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to talk to me one-on-one, that's I'm going to be one, more receptive, and then two, going to not feel like I was being re- attacked or rejected. Like, because then I usually feel like, oh, okay, like, I have a plan. I've been told I can now fix the situation mm-hmm. um, versus, like, now all these people know, now I have to go try to fix three relationships rather than Ooh, one yeah. relationship. And like, mm-hmm. it just builds on over and over and over and over. Yeah. So basic level, if you've got constructive criticism, I want to hear it. Yes. One-on-one. <laughs> bring it to me one-on-one and then we can have a really good conversation. Please don't bring it up in public, in a yes. public setting or, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like, I'm very growth-minded. Like, I want to grow. I want to be better. And, again, for sure. ties back probably to that image. But mm-hmm. I I do want to know things that I've done that have upset you or that I've done, like, I've done wrong. I just need to know them in a way that is constructive to me, that is still loving mm-hmm. and feels like you're coming because you love me, not because I've screwed up. Yeah, probably for me, maybe I'm a gift card to Starbucks or Dutch Bros <laughs> or Summer Moon. <laughs> And there's like a really, in really tiny print, there's that constructive criticism. Um, (laughs) On the back in the fine print where you have to read the whole paragraph to find it. I know you're saying that with humor, but I also know that you were like, no, that actually is, there's a part of that that's very true. Absolutely. (laughs) No, uh, I mean, one-on-one is definitely uh, the right approach. I think also um, it's constructive criticism one-on-one, but it's especially true for us type twos is the sandwich method is call out the things that you know about me that are true and good, explain the problem, and then on the other side of that, how I can use what you see and know and appreciate about me to to correct mm-hmm. that, I think is, is the most helpful. Yes. If you're able to sit and help me find a solution, that's going to be the best because I am a very emotion-driven person um, mm-hmm. just by nature. And so... I have a hard time after I felt rejected seeing anything play out logically. That's very well said. I think y'all did a really good job of giving a good peek behind the curtain for how to love twos in moments like that. Thank Mm -hmm. you. How can you tell when your motivations are off? I think for me, what I have kind of described it as is I am looking at caring for people as if there's an expiration date on there. So I've got to make sure that you are cared for in an adequate amount of time because that's going to expire. That's the unhealthy side, right? Is Mm -hmm. I must do this or else it will run out. Mm -hmm. And it goes the other way is, okay, now I need to receive something reciprocated in a certain amount of time before that runs out too. Mm -hmm. And so those expiration dates kind of go both ways. I love the expiration date. I think that's super helpful that it it works both ways. There's an expiration date with your happiness and contentment, and and I, I got to make sure I, I keep a, a good rapport with you. Yep. Um, and I'm just checking in, and each day where you're happy, okay, expiration date is good for at least another day, hour. What, what does that look like? Who knows? <laughs> it varies person by person, day by day. Yeah, that makes sense. Meeting by meeting. <laughs> I would just like to add, too, that, that the redemption of this is, and I, I've learned this from my counselor, who's also a type 2, and he has taught me that the redeeming message of being a type two is that that there is enough love already in the world as is. And so that would be my word of encouragement to type twos. And it takes a while to learn that. I'm still learning that. But just mm-hmm. even being introduced to the concept of it is 
mind-blowing. It's something to wrestle with, but there's there's some peace in there that there is just already enough love in the world as is. That's really good. Sarah, how do you see this healthy or unhealthy side? How can you tell when your motivations are a little off? I would say mine usually fall out of line in the same time that like my life is getting stressful or things are getting overwhelming. Um, and some of the ways that I can tell is that I get very passive aggressive with people um, or I am very snarky or snippy. And that is not me as a person for anyone on here who's listening. That is very un-Sarah. So when you see that kind of side or very like checked out, like I, I when I hit that stress level, I have no capacity for other people. Um, but I still want to have a capacity. And so I'll ask these very pointed questions and it's, I want to get out of you what I need to get out of you. And then I can end this. So that way I can say, yes, we have checked in. We were loved. You were good. But also I didn't have to do too much effort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love the term un-Sarah. That's very (laughs) un-Sarah. What are some other things that are un-Sarah? Oh gosh. Um... I mean, I think it would really kind of fall along those lines. Like, I am usually a very peppy, very happy, very upbeat kind of person. I am very much that gift giver and that acts of service, like, love language and definitely a words of affirmation person. So, like, I'm going to tell you all the things that you're doing great. So then those those things that are opposite of that are kind of when I'm like, oh, gosh, you're not being Sarah right now. Like, you are being really negative. You are not being kind or helpful to the people that are around you. Um, You're saying these things, and you mean them in a mean way. Like, that is, you're genuinely being mean right now. Um, That is un-Sarah. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What are some un-Ben things besides Arby's? (laughs) Arby's is definitely not an official sponsor of the podcast. Uh, it's funny because I'm hearing Sarah who is, is so much, I mean, she's a type two as well. And so we have so much in common, but she's saying when I'm un Sarah, I'm snarky and sassy and sarcastic. And I'm like, Oh man, I am definitely snarky, sassy and sarcastic. <laughs> yes. That and, is. And very much a, in a way that I try to present as, as humorous. And it's a very fun and unique way that I show love. But what's, what's very unbend I think is when I am isolating when I'm in a good place at work, because that's what this podcast is about, I am often getting up from my desk chair, if I can, and checking in on people, asking them how's it going, do they need anything, just seeing how life is going, making small talk. And so if, if I am not doing that, and it's not because I am really in the weeds and focused on work, but if I'm just kind of keeping to myself, that is very unbend. So I want to end with this. Y'all are both supporters and encouragers. And so for the twos at work who are struggling right now, um, feeling appreciated, um, fearing that they're in a tough spot relationally with the people that they work with, what support or what encouragement would you give them? I think um, I would just start off by saying you are enough. Like whatever you're able to bring to the table at the moment is enough for the situation that you're in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the more that you open up and the more vulnerable you become, the people around you will surround you. Um, And so they will become those people for you. Um, And so be open, be vulnerable, share your struggles, but also share your successes. um, And that will build you as a team. Mm -hmm. And then that will help other people 
to know your baseline, um, to know when you're not being you. That's so good. I think as type twos, we could really benefit to learn from the discipline of patience. And we may not right away feel that love and appreciation that we're seeking. But if we can remain constant and like what you said, continue to share and and support, maybe it doesn't happen right away. We need to really learn to not always be looking for it, but instead when it comes, even how infrequent it might be to really savor and appreciate that. Well, Ben, Sarah, thank y'all so much for joining the show. Y'all were amazing. You gave some phenomenal insights. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for us. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this conversation with Enneagram 2's Ben Taylor and Sarah Wong. Don't tune out just yet because I have a special freebie I'd like to share with you. You may remember from our conversation how both Sarah and Ben mentioned they preferred positive approaches to receiving feedback. Ben mentioned that he prefers to receive feedback using the sandwich method. If you haven't heard of the sandwich method, it's a technique that's used to help soften the blow of feedback to make it easier to receive. It's called the sandwich method because you give the feedback, which is the meat of your communication, in between two positive or affirming statements, which is the bread. For example, if I wanted to give Sarah feedback on a decision she made as a special education teacher using the sandwich method, it might sound something like this. Sarah, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate your hard work. You are juggling so much and you constantly seek to be the very best teacher that you can be. Thank you for that. Affirming statement. I had some questions regarding your decision with a particular student yesterday, and I wanted to hear your experience first before coming to my own conclusion. Feedback. Can you tell me a little bit more about why you made this decision? And please know that I have full confidence that you always have your students' best interests at heart. Affirmation. Now, you may be thinking, Kelsey, that is a lot of unnecessary fluff. Just get to the point, fix the issue, and let's move on. If that's you, then this guide is perfect for you because it will help you understand that some people really do need the extra affirmation while others don't. But trust me, all types can benefit from the sandwich method. Click the link in the show notes labeled Effective Feedback to get instant access to a free guide that will explain how each type tends to receive feedback, how they tend to give it, and an example of how to use the sandwich method with them. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.